Thank you for joining us. Here at BLC, our purpose is helping people discover and develop a life in Christ. Now here is Pastor Gary Tony. Last week we kicked off this brand new talk called uh, uh, Daniel. And here's the thing, you guys may have to say, look over at me because I've been, I've been doing this for the last couple months and so I got people over here. Hey y'all. So uh, <clears throat> the uh, book of Daniel is... Uh, well, let's just put it this way. It, it is a book, uh, I was listening to a professor this morning, and, and he has spent half of his career studying and teaching the book of Daniel. Not the Bible, the book of Daniel. And, and so uh, in this series, because as a pastor, I, I realize that there are, there are a ton of things in the book of Daniel that, that you and I will never apply in our lives uh, but there are some simple truths in there, and there are, uh, the, one of the biggest reasons I want to, to talk about uh, Daniel is, is the prophetic aspect of it. And, and I, I really, you know, <clears throat> it's always been something that I've given thought to, but when Derek sent me that uh, video to watch uh, about the, the uh, Galilean wedding, and they talked, one of the things that one of the uh, theologians was sharing is, was the the, uh, the decline of Christians and more specifically pastors that never mention or discuss the prophetic realities of the scriptures. And over 30%, now I know all of the Bible is prophetic in its utterance in an inspired way, but there is actually over 30% is foretelling prophetic words to the body. And so it's important for us to at least have a... Um, just an overview or just at least a working knowledge of some of these things. And so by no means is my uh, talk uh, exhaustive in any way. Uh, really the best way for me to describe, because we've got tonight and then we have one more session in the book of Daniel. But <clears throat> really the best way for me to describe it is that uh, this talk is, is kind of like sports center. We're going to give you the highlights of the book of Daniel so that you can have a conversation, right? I think that that's the thing. We have to at least be able to sit down and talk about Daniel and like, man, that, that, I, that's just weird. It's all in visions and dreams and, and I don't know. Well, after this series, you will at least be able to talk about it. And, 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 and I can tell you that there are theologians, there are scholars that dedicate their life to this subject and they disagree. Okay, so let's keep this in mind as you get into discussions with things. Never be this dogmatic, authoritative, my way is the way. Eh, the more I study the things of God, the more I begin to realize that I still have a lot to learn. And so, one of the, just, just a couple of things. First of all, let, let me pray and then we'll unpack this. God, tonight, for every person in the room, for every person watching us, my prayer is this, Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. We look to you this evening. Open the eyes of our spirit. Bring us not just information, but bring us revelation from your word that will challenge us, inspire us to rise up to be better followers of you, Jesus, for your glory. And everybody said amen. Now, one of the big things about the book of Daniel, one of the major emphasis is what being separated and committed to a life of God actually brings because when you follow remember we talked about this last Wednesday when you follow these guys these these four young adults possibly still teenagers at the time 
they were taken from their country. Not just from their home, they were forced and they become these refugees in this ungodly Babylonian society and forced to study under their teachers to be developed and, and raised up in their education system, which had absolutely nothing to do with God. They had hundreds and hundreds of, quote, gods. And one of the greatest things that you'll see, one of, one of God's greatest examples that you see in the book of Daniel, and more specifically with him and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, one of the greatest things you see is how far God will actually go for someone that will trust him in any situation. Because here's what I've discovered in my own life, and I know as a pastor we've all, you know, I've seen this over the years, is we're great at trusting God when things are going good. Right? I mean, everybody's on fire, amen, hallelujah. But you let a storm come your way. You let a little hiccup. Now, now these guys, they didn't have a hiccup. They were taken from their home, taken from their country as prisoners of war and forced to be raised in a, in a different culture. And, and so they're in, they're in one of the most uh, uh, impactful situations I believe an individual can be in. Another major component that you see in the book of Daniel is Daniel's clarity. And this is what the Holy Spirit will do for any believer that is willing to make the commitment Say commitment. You, you see that the, the, the clarity that Daniel has into the realities of the spirit world. And, of course, next uh, Wednesday, we actually go into, I'm, my goal tonight is to go through chapters 3 through 8. So, believe with me, okay? And then next week, we'll finish up through chapter 12. And, 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 and there's some very significant stuff about seeing into the other realm in chapter 10 that Daniel goes into great detail about. Not only did these guys prove their faithfulness to God, and this is one of the things that I think in the New Testament church that we, now understand this, never out of some legalistic religious obligation, but out of a relationship growing with God, one of the things that you see is they prove their faithfulness to God but they do it in a way that is so impressive and so full of honor and integrity because they maintain, in the course of the transition that they're going through, they maintain such a level of humility and a courteous attitude towards their ungodly rulers. We live in a society today because we fall under the umbrella of, quote, free speech, that honor and integrity and respect are things that are trashed. I mean, if you're in leadership and they don't like you, they will shred you. And, and especially in the political landscape right now, it's election year. And I don't care what side you're on, it's all a pathetic embarrassment. The way that they act and toward, there's no leadership, it's just politicians. And I despise the whole thing of it. And you know what we can do about it, church? I don't know, Pastor, what can we do? <laughs> well, you can pray, first of all. That's what these boys did. Now, did God take them out of their situation? No. But he did use them right in the middle of their mess. And this is what I want you to understand. We may not be able, and especially in our lifetime, 
we may not be able to change the landscape of the political world that we watch unfold before us. But we can definitely make an impact on what happens in it. But the, the sad commentary is the church can't even agree. We, we can't. Because we have agenda and opinion, almost just like the world. And we, we allow too much of that to influence us. These four, these four dudes, remember last week I, I, I introduced you, I call them the Fantastic Four. Because they did some incredible stuff. And last week we saw, we, we, remember we saw Nebuchadnezzar's dream and he had the gold and the silver and the bronze and the legs of, of iron and the feet of iron and clay. And, and Daniel explained all that to him. He, because, and, and you got to get the picture. Nebuchadnezzar was going to have all of the magicians, the soothsayers, the astrologers, all the wise people. He wasn't going to have them fired. He's going to have them killed. He said, oh, y'all, you can't tell me the dream. You can't do what I, I mean, he's this narcissistic, just psychopath. And he's in charge of a nation, the most powerful one on the planet. And he says, well, since you can't help me, I'm going to kill you. But not, Jack, not just you. Your kids, I, <laughs> I'm killing all your family. I mean, come on. But that's the world that these boys were, they were dropped in the middle of this. And so Daniel says, I can't do anything for you. But the God I serve, this is the thing that you all need to get a hold of today. Whatever your situation is that you're in the middle of, the God that you serve, the God that you serve will give you the dream. He will tell you, and, and I mean, Daniel just lays it out for him. And this is the beginning, like we talked about last week, of, some, of a prophetic time clock. But in, in, in that, Nebuchadnezzar falls before Daniel, this Jewish Hebrew refugee the, the most powerful king on the planet falls before him and says, truly, your God is the God. Now, he doesn't yield to him. He doesn't decide to worship him, you understand. But he, at least he acknowledges this. And then he makes Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon. And Daniel says, Nebuchadnezzar, what about my crew? The Fantastic Four, can we rule together? He said, well, yeah, get your boys. They can be in charge of, we'll give them, you know, cities, counties, etc." Right Now, last week we started off, or we didn't get into it, but we introduced in chapter 3 the account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and once again, their faithful stand on their beliefs. So let's set this up. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, now, now, now you tell me he's not all about himself. He, he made a gold statue. Now, now wrap your head around this. 90 feet tall. That's that's four of our buildings stacked on top of each other. 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. I mean, it's like, a, it's like one of those poles. And that's basically what he's saying. You know, he makes this statue of himself. He sets it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Slide down to verse 5. And he says this. So when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, when you hear all the instruments play, I want you to bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And anyone who refuses to obey will immediately get a free ticket to the Bahamas. No, they get thrown into a furnace. What kind of, and I know y'all think we live in a challenging world. <laughs> Read Daniel. Now here's the thing, this statue now, remember, we talked about some of this prophetic stuff last week, but this statue is actually 
Because the Old Testament, guys, is full of what is called typology. There are types and pictures all through the Old Testament. And this is one of your first types of the image of the beast in the book of Revelation 13 that the Antichrist will erect. This is the first type of that. And so he's telling everybody that they're going to have to bow down. So in now we're in Daniel 3. So in chapter 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they've been called on the carpet on it. Because all the, uh, all the politicians, all the magicians, all that group that is sucking up to Nebuchadnezzar, they're watching these Hebrews because they don't worship any God but Jehovah. And so they go tell on them. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Nothing. Still the same with politicians today. They can't wait to tell something bad on somebody else. So in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answer, because the king's going to throw them in the fire. He's brought them in. They're all, you got to get the image. It's like all of you all are the, the politicians and the king and all the, the, the satraps and the magician. They're, and this is the fire furnace, and we're getting ready to be thrown in. And Nebuchadnezzar's there, and listen, listen carefully, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answer, and they say to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that's the case, what's he talking about? If you throw us in the fire, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us. Verse 18. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we're still not going to serve you, God. And we're not going to worship your golden image. <laughs> now, now, let's stop for a second because let me have that back for a minute. Because many of your modern translations, this is how it reads. Verse 17, if that's the case, O king, our God whom we serve is, listen very carefully to the wording, is able to deliver us from the burning furnace. And he will deliver us. But some of your modern translations in verse 18 See, verse 18 says, but if not, this is in the New King James, but some of your modern would say, if you don't throw us in the fire. I don't read it that way. I read it this way. King, whether you throw us in or not, our God is going to deliver us. So let it be known to you, whether you do it or you don't do it, we're not worshiping. See, so as I'm reading this today, this is the thing, Derek, I'm kind of like, I wonder how I would respond. I wonder if I would be, Will, if I would be this bold. If the sheriff come to town, you can't worship on Sunday. Now listen, it got real close to that. They played around with stuff, didn't they? Huh? I can't help but to, to think, what would we do? If we were told, now they didn't tell us we couldn't worship, you understand? So, but, they, you know, there was more involved. I'm not saying that was the agenda here. But what if somebody come and tell you, not, not only can you not worship your God, you're going to have to worship mine. Now, now listen, this is a window into something that's getting ready to happen. Listen to me very carefully. Verse 26, because... Nebuchadnezzar loses it, and he throws them in the fire. 
he throws them. I need you to be in the room with this for a minute. He throws them in the fire. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fire furnace, and he smoked, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of, now listen to his wording, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. <laughs> so they came out of the fire. <laughs> now he threw them in the fire, and he's in there, and he sees them, and he says, come out. And so, all, now listen, all the satraps, the administrators, this is all those corrupt politicians they, they're there, they're watching this, they've seen, they seen the, the, the bodies and the fire had no power over them. The hair of their head was not singed, their garments weren't affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. How's that work? Now I know, I know this makes a great children's church story. That's awesome, in the fire. But you need to understand, this actually took place. See, it, this is not just revelation. This is history. These, these, these boys got thrown in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar said, blessed be the God. Now, this is this heathen king again. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angels and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's words and yielded their bodies, and they should not serve nor worship any god except theirs. Huh? you got to see that God came through for them. They didn't make this happen. But now, now here comes his psychotic rage. He, he goes on to say this. Anybody that does it or anybody that talks against their God, let them be cut in pieces and let their house be made an ash heap. Right? Yeah. And so the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the province over all of Babylon. Now, the thing I want to highlight about this is, once again, this is one of the keys that you have to see, is their loyalty and commitment to God. We live in a society today that as long as it's good for us, we're good with God. But if we don't get our, come on, y'all, if we don't get our way, I'm talking to you, Victory Life people, y'all watching, I'm your pastor, I can't talk about the rest, but when we don't get our way, I'm telling you, we, we are such shaky people. And we question, well, God, I really, I, I mean, God, I'm a tither. Hmm? And we begin to question God. But what if God's working something out in the middle of the fire? You know what I've found out over the years? A lot of times the fire is the proving ground. You find out who you really are in the fire. See, Nebuchadnezzar is this ungodly, I mean, he has no clue, but he's beginning to see over and over again who the, the great God is. And he's getting ready to see to the degree now, for sake of time, we're going to we're going to skip chapter 4. Chapter 4, if you study this, you can go read it. It is very self-explanatory, uh, but, but I want to kind of give you a little time frame here. Between chapter 3 and chapter 4, over 20 years go by, okay? So there's, a, there's some other leaders that have come into play, and in chapter 4, God actually deals with Nebuchadnezzar over his, if you will, his self-exalted opinion of himself. And what it does, if you go read the story, because once again, he has a dream, 
Daniel has to come to the rescue. He sees this, this tree with all the people, all the animals, everything under it, and all the fruit of the tree, and how beautiful and magnificent it is. And he says, uh, Daniel tells him, well, Nebuchadnezzar, the tree is you, but it gets cut down. And you lose your mind. And you go live for seven years, you go live like a cow in the field. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, it does lead him to repent. And God does restore him. But you can go check out chapter 4. That's really the, 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 the summarizing that quickly. I want to get on to chapter 5 because in chapter 5, there's a, there's a new emperor in town. And his name is Belshazzar. And you talk about somebody that's worse than Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar is one of the most irreverent pagan emperors that the world has seen. And, and his, his view of, of God and the way he is brings judgment on him pretty quick. And this is something as I begin to think about this, guys. God really, this is something that we need to learn today. God really does hold those who stand in higher offices regardless of their beliefs he does hold them to a higher standard all of these kings the judgment of God came on them make no mistake about who sets in our office the office was or remember Sunday Romans chapter 13 the office is ordained by God even if the wrong person is in it and I'm not I'm not swaying you either way in who sets in the office but you need to understand that I believe that regardless of the level, God's hold, he holds leaders at a higher standard. And this is, what is, this is what Belshazzar is about to experience. And so Daniel, uh, verse chapter 5, let me set it up. Belshazzar, in his arrogant foolishness, they're, they're partying. He's got all his politicians and wives and concubines and they're having this big time. And Nebuchadnezzar, his, his uh, well, history, there's such a time span. Some theologians say that Belshazzar is actually, even though it, the Bible calls him Nebuchadnezzar's son, he's actually his grandson. Yeah. But in the Bible, you see that. They don't really talk about grandparents in the Old Testament. Go check it out. But anyway, we're, so, so uh, Nebuchadnezzar had stolen all of the implements from the temple when they invaded Jerusalem. All the gold uh, utensils, the glasses, cups, all of it. And so this, this guy, he's having this big party, and he says, hey, go get, all the, go, go get all the gold stuff that Nebuchadnezzar stole, and let's drink from them. These sacred, God-anointed, set apart and sanctified for his temple use, let's go, let's go degrade the things of God, and let's drink from them and party. And verse 5, and suddenly they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster of the king's palace. Now, I try to envision this, you know. Not, I'm, they don't see a hand my size. They see a human hand that, come, that all of a sudden manifests out of nowhere. And he doesn't have a pen or a feather that he's dipped in, a quill or something. I, 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 this is how I see it. He takes his finger and in the wall, huh? he's writing in the plaster of the wall. And the king saw the hand. 
and his face turned pale. You think? Yeah. His knees began to knock until his legs gave out. He fell out, scared. And then in verse 24, because now they're wanting to know what's going on here. He can't understand it. Once again, who comes to the rescue? Daniel, because nobody can read what the writing says. And so Daniel gets on the scene, and he says, verse 24, God has sent this hand to write this message. And this message means this. Mene, mene, taco, parsin. Now listen carefully. This means, he breaks it down for him. Mene means this. God has numbered your days. Tackle or tackle. You've been weighed in the balance and you've been measured. And Parson means this, divided. And your kingdom has been divided this night, Belshazzar. Now watch this. Now you remember in Nebuchadnezzar's vision, the chest and the arms of silver? That's the, Mede, Mede, the, the Medes and the Persians. And so that night, they come in and destroy and take over the Babylonian Empire. And he's killed. Are you for real right now? Man, they just told me my time's just about up. <laughs> well, in, in respect of kids' church, because it is so complicated over there tonight, but with everything that they, all the other stuff we have to do. So we want to be respectful of them so we won't go long. Is that okay? Are y'all are getting anything out of this? Okay. So let, let's fast forward real quick. I'm, I'm going to go, can we go a little quicker? Okay, maybe not that quick. Maybe if, you're, if you use Audible, maybe we can put it on 1.5, okay? <laughs> right? So, uh, so we, now in chapter 6, uh, you, you, the, there's another king. King Darius is now on the scene. And so the administrators in, the, in this, uh, what's going on with Darius, uh, Daniel's back on the scene again. And now uh, when, when he shows up, they want, uh, all of the, they, they want Daniel to, not, not just Daniel, but nobody to pray to any other god except Pray to Darius. Can't pray to nobody else. Now, all of these things, I want you to see something. These are all prophetic windows into what the world is going to. Don't kid yourself. The Antichrist is on the scene. Now, I'm not talking about in this story. I'm talking about in our life. And he will do everything that he possibly can to destroy the church. He can't destroy the church, but there is coming a day when the church will no longer be on the planet. And at that point, he will wreak havoc. And so much of what Daniel sees in his dreams and that, or in his visions that he gets is pointing us to this. But so Darius, you know, says, yeah, let's do this. And so all of his administrators, look at verse 6, or chapter 6, verse 6. So the administrators, the officers, they went to king and said, long live King Darius. We're all in agreement. All the officials, all the high officers, all the corrupt politicians, the king should make a law to be strictly enforced and give an order for the next 30 days that any person who prays to anyone, any divine or human except you, 
your majesty, <laughs> should be thrown in the lion's den. Now, a couple of things you need to understand. By this time in history, the favor that's on Daniel's life is amazing. And the thing that you need to realize, when he's under Darius, Daniel has served under six different administrations up to this point. And this current corrupt political landscape that he's dealing with, they've all conspired against him. And so the decree goes out, and Daniel knows, the Bible tells us that Daniel knows that the decree has been signed by the king. But I love his commitment here. He refuses to waver in his relationship with God. He refuses to to waver in his time of prayer that he has done since he's been there. And so these corrupt politicians, they all go back and tell on Daniel. And they tell the king, and because King Darius and Daniel are good friends, he's one of his most trusted advisors. This Hebrew young man is this heathen king's most trusted advisor. And by this time, King Darius realizes that he's been manipulated by the politicians. Anything sound remotely familiar today? He realizes this, and and, and he's torn. When you read the whole story, he's torn in his heart. There's an old saying, I I don't know where I found it at, but the crown hangs forever heavy on the head of the ruler. Because there are decisions that he was caught in the middle. Him and Daniel, they're tight, but he knows the fate of his anointed friend because everybody's watching, and it was a public thing that he made, and so now they all know. And in the middle of this, you you can't overlook this key. Daniel, under these ungodly kings, God continued to anoint his life and continued to position him for success. So you all know the story, right? He gets, uh, he gets thrown in the lion's den. And the Bible says that this heathen king fasted all night. Now, he wasn't really fasting to God. He doesn't believe in God. But he's doing his thing and rushes to the lion's den the next day. And Daniel's alive. And he says, don't worry, king. The God I serve, he sent his angel. One of the things I want to highlight real quick, because I'm getting ready to wrap things up. We're not going to get to chapter 8 tonight. But uh, one of the things I want you to pay close attention to, Daniel and the archangel Gabriel, they're pretty tight. When you read this, when you, it's don't, Daniel only has 12 chapters, you all. And I know there's a lot of typology and, 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 and stuff that goes on, and I know it can get a little confusing. And, and so I'm hoping to, to give you a little bit of clarity, clarity on some of this. But I want you to, there's, there's, it's some of the little truths that you see. But one of my main ones I want you to take home today is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and their commitment and their faith in their God in difficult times. But Daniel didn't waver. He said uh, that the God I serve, he sent his angel. And he shut the mouth of the lion. And so here's what I, I shouldn't love this, but I love this part of the story. So they, the, the king gets Daniel out. And all those corrupt politicians, every one of them, he said, go get them and their families. And the Bible says that before they even hit the bottom of the pit, the lions devoured them and crushed their bones. 
Yeah. I'll tell you, the vengeance is the Lord's. You need to understand that. <clears throat> right? So let me, let me kind of bring this, this uh, down a little bit. Because in, in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel has a vision. And in Daniel's vision, it gets a little, you know, and that's when it can get kind of, you know, confusing. So let me, let me help you real quick because I, I want, and you can go home and read this stuff. <clears throat> but the vision and dream that Nebuchadnezzar had about the, the, the image that he saw, the head of gold, the, the silver, the bronze, that one, the two, the two visions that Daniel will have, one about the four beasts and one about the, lion, uh, the lamb and the goat, they are all the, they're different symbolisms, but they're all the same image. They're all the same, the same unfolding that you have Babylon the Great, and then you have the Medo-Persian Empire, and then you have the Greek Empire that comes after them. And, and well, give, can I have, give me just a couple minutes. Let's go watch this in Daniel chapter 7, verse 23. The fourth beast shall come the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and trample it and break it into pieces. And the ten horns and the ten kings shall arise from this kingdom. Now, let me stop for a second because it can get real wordy here. <clears throat> but when you read Daniel's vision in chapter 7, he's already got comprehension or understanding because the angel helps him. He goes on to talk about it. And they don't even talk about really the first one because it's already unfolded, the Nebuchadnezzar head of gold. But the Medo-Persian Empire and, and the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire all happened in Daniel's dream in these beasts. And then the, the last one, the, the fourth kingdom, this ten horns and these ten kings, and, and I'll leave you with this tonight because th this is what you and I know today as the European Union. It is the rebuilt Roman Empire that ruled of that day. And it began in 1947. And today, every nation, I think the last one was in the late 80s, the last nation was added to this. And now all of these, these ten horns are together. But the Daniel was told by the angel, you're not going to be able to comprehend some of this until the time of the end. Now, remember last week we touched on this uh, in 1967. Remember what happened then? Jerusalem was back under Jewish control for the first time since Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel said, when this happens, this is the start of the time of the end. This is the 70 weeks of the seven year. We'll talk about that because I, I, my staff was like, what the heck is that? What is the 70 weeks of seven years of weeks? And Yeah, it's 490 years. But anyway, we'll get into that next week. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just want to give you some insight into Daniel seeing things unfold before us, okay? Now you think, well, man, when are we going to know? You're not going to know. Nobody's going to know. I remember years ago I did a study on this because I... Derek, I really thought I could figure it out, man. <laughs> we crack, we, we're arrogant sometimes, you know. But so, Jesus said, the generation that sees this happen will be the generation that I, that's going to see this happen, the, the, the return of me. To see Jerusalem 
be under Jewish power again. I'm like, okay, well, I can figure that out. So I went back to Matthew, and I went to the Old Testament, and I, I was, I'm tracking what generations are, and then, so I'm doing the math. Now, now, here's the thing. Now, I'm not saying this, but a gen, the average generation is between 53 and 56 years old in the Bible. And so I'm telling my staff this in the lobby last week. Nicole breaks her phone out and starts doing the math on it. And she says, well, that's 53 years. Well, you, you do the math from 1967. 53 years. She's like, oh, wow. I'm not saying anything. Nobody's going to know. All right. But those are, we all, we all think, here's, 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 here's a revelation that will change your life. You ready? Be ready when he comes. Be ready. You know, that's the whole point with, with God showing us this little window into the future of how things are going to unfold. Be ready. Now, he is letting us know that we're close. <clears throat> but he's not going to tell anybody when because if it was, we'd quit. Well, God's going to be back in a couple years, Derek. Let's go on and retire, man. Let's just play golf. Let's go fishing. God's coming. I mean, you know, forget about evangelism. Now, nah, let's, let's party. God's coming back. No, you're not going to know that. Occupy till he I, I know some of y'all, you love studying this, the end time stuff, and that's fun, but I would like for some of you to study Ephesians. <laughs> you know, we talk about these, these subjects because it is important. We do need to have a little knowledge of our Old Testament, of prophetic pictures of things that happen. But at the end of the day, you and I, we need to know how to get up in the morning and go be a Christian with that boss that you'd love to Paula and Dustin got me a new shirt, y'all. It says, how about a nice throat punch? <laughs> I haven't preached in it yet because I know some of the parents might like, mm, you know, you know. <laughs> my, my grandson's already saying that. So, so let's practice, you know, even though we're having this talk, this is just to give us some working knowledge of our Old Testament. Amen? Ultimately, our goal is to be New Testament, blood-washed, Holy Spirit-anointed believers, disciples, followers of Jesus, influencing other people. Amen? But, but I thought you might enjoy a little bit of this. So, so let me get you out of here. Um, if you are interested in giving tonight, don't forget. We don't pass stuff. None of that. We're not there yet. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of actually liking it. Uh, if y'all get used to the give boxes, they're all over the place. We may stay with that instead of passing. It sure makes it a lot easier on our ushers, you know. I mean, and if you're a giver, you're a giver. It doesn't matter if you drop it in the bucket or drop it in the box, right? So, and I know a lot of you, you've, you've switched over to online giving. But if you're in the room and you do like to give when you're here, then I'm going to pray. And when we dismiss tonight, just go by one of the boxes at the doors or in the hallway and drop that off. We certainly do appreciate that. Let, let's pray. Father, for every person that supports what we're doing as a local church, may your blessing be upon them to such a degree that it is pressed down, shaken together, running over, that you bless, bless them. <clears throat> Father, I thank you and decree tonight that Victory Life Church, we have an abundance to do all that you've called us to do, advancing your, your kingdom in your name, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll get back into Daniel next week, and hopefully uh, maybe I, I, I can talk a little faster. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to click on the subscribe button. For more information on Victory Life Church, check us out at victorylifeky.com. Thank you so much for listening.